Good morning. Welcome to Harmony. Would you stand up with us this morning? Hey, thanks for braving the rain and coming in. Thank you for joining in online. Life is full of choices. Let me encourage you this morning to make the choice to praise God, to worship him this morning from the heart. As we sing out, sing from the heart. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. He won't fail me now in the waiting. Yelinda, the same God who never fails is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will sing for joy when the heavy hell my days. Yes, I will. All right, let's go back to uh, the first verse here. Now that we have the words going, I don't know what happened there. Sing with me right here. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. It is a choice. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy 
sing some more of that now. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. I choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of all names That nothing can stand against Lord, I choose to praise To glorify, glorify the name of all names That nothing can stand against Oh yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley, yes I will bless your name Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Good singing this morning. You may be well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. We want to thank you for joining with us in person or online. Uh, however you're gathering with us today, we say thank you for uh, taking the time to let us be a part of your day and to celebrate who Jesus is together. We've got many opportunities taking place uh, this, this week here at Harmony. Some things we want to remind you about. We have an outreach uh, coming up at uh, the, the Danville Park. Uh, it's a trunk or treat there. If you would like to help us with that, uh, Nate Schaefer and a couple others are overseeing that. But uh, you did an awesome job in providing providing candy uh, for the event over at the Washington Township Park, and we thank you for that. Uh, if you would like to bring in more candy, you can bring in more candy for that outreach. Just have it here no later than Wednesday this week. Drop it off over at the office during the week, and uh, anything that you could supply for that uh, would be greatly appreciated and help make another awesome outreach uh, during this season uh, of the year. I want to thank all of those uh, who have uh, stepped up to help provide food for the Riggles family and just care and, and uh, love and, and serve on them during this time. And I want you to pray for them. Uh, the Riggles family, uh, they do uh, attend here. Uh, their little uh, grandson uh, is over in our uh, academy uh, through the week, but uh, their daughter, uh, Lexi Riggles, passed away last Sunday. That funeral will be today. And I just want to ask you to uh, pray for them that, that God uh, would just be with them and uh, comfort and strengthen them during this time. But I want to thank you uh, for stepping up and uh, doing the things that you've done to make life a little bit better for them, a little more bearable uh, during this time. I want to ask you to pray for uh, Vicki Robinson. Uh, Vicki Robinson, uh, we shared last Sunday, uh, used to, to be here, been around here a, a long time. They uh, have moved to Florida. Uh, she's not in, in good health right now. Uh, had a stroke, they believe, last Saturday. Uh, we shared that with you on Sunday, and uh, she has been moved to rehab. Uh, that was yesterday, uh, but she needs your prayer that God would be with her and, and just take care of her and, and give her uh, a desire 
uh, to get good and healthy, uh, give that desire back to her uh, again. So please pray uh, for uh, those uh, situations and, and many others that we need to uh, be in prayer for as we go throughout our week. Well, today we're going to continue our series entitled Remarkable, uh, and we're just going to focus on Mark chapter 11 and the, the fact that Jesus is absolutely remarkable. For the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a look at the last week, the final week of Jesus's life, uh, and we're going to discover uh, some very practical things over the next couple of weeks that, that come from uh, that triumphal entry through his crucifixion and resurrection that are very practical for our life uh, today. Again, I want to thank you for being here with us. If it's your first time today, whether you're online or in person, stop by the Connection Center uh, before you leave today. We would love to have the opportunity to uh, meet you, learn more about you, and how we can serve you and your family. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the things that you've done, and and God, the things that you're going to do. And Lord, I know that right now uh, it's raining outside and it's gloomy, uh, and uh, that kind of can set the tone for our mood. But Father, help us to, to realize that uh, even when it's raining outside, it's gloomy, and it doesn't look like a wonderful day, God, that you're still in control and, and you create all things and, and you're in charge of all things. So Father, uh, no matter what is going on and no matter what's taking place, our hope and trust is in you, not in what's going on uh, around us, not in, in how we feel or what someone else says, but, but Father, it's just all in you and the fact that you are who your word says you are. So Lord, I pray that today we would come boldly to your throne, that we would trust you, that we would listen, that we would bring our prayer request and, and, and lift those up. But Father, I pray mostly that we would hear from you today and God, that we would be changed when, when we're done with this time of gathering together and worshiping you in just a little while. So Father, please hear our prayers. Please move in our midst for it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us one more time. As we learn more about the life of Jesus and especially this sermon this morning, it is amazing to me his amazing grace reaches out to all of us. Sing out as we sing this is amazing grace. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above Sing it out now. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the stars 
amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing that you've done for me. He's worthy this morning. Praise his name. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear you would lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. And the things he does for us is he makes a way when there seems to be no way. He gives healing when there seems to be no hope. Friend, we just need to praise him this morning for what he does for us, what he does through us, and then what we can do for him. Think about the words of these songs because he is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. Let him shine through you this morning. As we sing, sing from the heart. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship, sing that verse one more time. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, Lord, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is 
is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are. morning. Father, I'm thankful that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. And Father, you've promised to be with us through the toughest times of life, to let your light shine through us, to be a witness for you. So Father, today, first of all, I pray for John as he delivers this message this morning giving him the words to speak. And Father, as he, as he preaches this, the message today for the funeral for the Riggles family, I pray that you would just empower him, be with him in a great way. 
And Father, let us feel your power and your presence in this room this morning as we give ourselves to you. Open our ears, open our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, they tell us in life that timing is everything. Uh, a funny joke at the wrong time isn't funny, right? I mean, that's just the way it, it works. When you try and find that word and, and you think it's a good word and maybe it's a, a time to speak it, but then you find out it's, it's really not, you, you realize that, that timing it does make a difference. You know, when you're, you, you, you know you have that right someone, that right girl, you, you had your eye on her for a while and you think, you know what? I finally got the nerve to, to, to ask, and then, then you ask, and she says yes, and you date for a while, then you search for the perfect timing and the way to get her to say not just yes, but I do. I, I mean, timing is, is really perfect. In fact, it took me like five and a half years to get to that, that timing, to, to find that moment. I kept getting the, the hurry up, but you, you want the timing to be right. You want the scenario and setting to be right, and, and here's a, a reality Timing is everything in many of the routine aspects of life, but it's definitely everything when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and who he is. You know, when we take a look at the gospel of Mark, Mark gives us many aspects of the timing of the life of Jesus. He, he comes onto the scene and, and he begins to call people to and, and, and just invite them to, to follow him, and he's walking in a place where people wouldn't necessarily be likely to say yes at that moment, but, but they did. He's walking by and he sees Peter and Andrew and James and John, and, and he invites them and he says, why don't you come and, and follow me? And they're there, they're, they're busy, they're, they're fishing, and, and yet the, the Bible says that they left their nets and they followed him. They, they said yes to Jesus. They were invited to follow and, and he, they said yes to what he was in, inviting them to do. And he would go a, a little bit further and time would pass and he would find Matthew at the, the receipt of custom, which was just a, a tax collection booth. And, and, and he would say, Matthew, do you want to come and follow me? And, and Matthew said yes. And we go throughout and we see the, the timing that lines up with, with Mark and, and, and Luke and, and John and Matthew and, 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 and in the Gospels and, and how certain things just kind of stand out and, and jump out at, at, at a, a a time or, or a place in, in someone's life, yet, yet we see over and over that, that timing is everything. We see, according to, to Luke and Matthew, that Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. Yet in Mark chapter 11, we're going to see that timing is everything because he had been to Jerusalem on several occasions before, but on this occasion, the stage is set. It's now Passover week, and, and if it was in, in t today's terms and, and what people would be getting ready for, it would be a, a level orange threat, right? I mean, that's what it would be, an advisory, because scholars tell us that Jerusalem was absolutely packed to the hilt, that the population would swell to a million plus people during this week, during the time which Jesus would ride in to Jerusalem. And as we open up Mark chapter 11 and verse number one, we're going to discover that timing is everything in the, in the life of Jesus and what he was up to, because now he's ready to do some absolutely incredible things. In fact, we're 
going to discover the very thing that they had been invited for back in Mark chapter 1 and those early chapters, now we're going to see unfold. And Jesus is going to be able to say, look, I invited you not just to invite you, but I've invited you because now I'm going to send you. So today we're talking about the timing of Jesus and how we're invited and how we are sent. In Mark chapter 11 and verse number one, here's, here's what we read from Mark's perspective as he begins to let the life of Jesus unfold. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. I, I want you to just remember those, those two words, he sent. He sent two of his disciples that at some point in time he had invited. That's going to be pretty important as, as we circle back to it in, in just a, a moment. But, but if you have your Bible or, or something with your Bible on it and you can highlight or underlight, I would encourage you to do that because it's really easy for us to, to read over two simple words like he sent and, and think, man, there, there's really nothing to it. But, but the reality is, is this, there's, there's everything to it. He sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And, and they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let him go. Isn't it amazing that Jesus knows what's ahead of us? I mean, you, you, you read through the, the word of God over and over and over. He knows what they needed to look for. He knows exactly what we need to look for. Yet how many times do, do uh, we just kind of ignore some of those things along the way and we wonder whether he's really in control. We wonder whether he knows what's best. We wonder whether he knows what's, what's ahead for us. We, we see it unfold. It says in verse number seven, then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went out before and those who followed cry out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are and we thank you for all that you've done. And God, today we look at these verses and we, we look at much more of Mark chapter 11. And God, I believe that there are practical things and truths in this passage for our life today that we desperately need. So Father, I ask that you would help us to see them and I ask that you would help us to be changed by them and to live them as we talk about them for the next few moments. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. You know, as we look at that passage of scripture, as we look at uh, the events of that week, and, and Jesus is, is kind of headed back to Jerusalem, and this is the triumphal entry, it's the final week of his life, we see some absolutely incredible and practical things unfold for my life and for your life. You see, one of the first things that, that we see is that back in Mark chapter 1, in verse number 17, Jesus said this, 
come and, and, and follow me and here's what I'll do. I will make you to be fishers of men. Jesus said, when I invite you, here, here's what I want you to understand. I'm inviting you into a life to become more. And right now, today, just like in every day, in every culture, in every society, people are looking for a way for their life to be more. And when someone invites us to do something that we think we might get a little meaning out of, then here's what we're likely to do. We're, we're likely to take that up. We're, we're likely to say, look, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life because we think there's something in it for us, something that we're going to gain. But notice that Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll let you do something that matters, and, and get this, and it's going to be centered around me. Do you know what one of the struggles that we have in this life is? We're searching for more, and we want more, but most of the time, we focus on the more that's about us rather than the more that's really about him. And then we wonder why we're still left searching and wanting for more. Jesus says, I'm about to invite you into a life where you can live it for me, where you can use your talents and abilities for me, just as you are, just like you are, and I'll help you become the more that you want to be. And here's the amazing thing, is you're going to get to help other people find that same more that you're looking for, only it's found in me. You see, here's what happens in Mark chapter 11. As we begin to, to read and, and see it unfold, Jesus invited the 12, the two that are mentioned in Mark 11, he invited them to send. You see, Jesus never invites us just to come and, and hang out with him. Jesus has a purpose for us. So, so, so what does that, that mean? He said, I want you to come to me so that you can follow me. And then in verse number one of Mark chapter 11, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. And the Bible says he sent them. He said, I have something for you to do. I have a place for you to go. Well, what does it mean to be sent? When we look at what he says in verse number 11, he sent two of his disciples and he said unto them, go into the, the village. He invited us to send us. One of the things that, that we understand from, from this passage of scripture is this. We're invited to be sent, but that requires obedience on our part. You see, there's not a, a person that's a Christ follower that Christ is not sending out. He sent every one of us with, with the Great Commission. Somebody says, what is the Great Commission? Startling statistic, it says that 73% of evangelical churchgoers don't know what the Great Commission is. Uh, we're, we're making it our goal and purpose to offset that number, at least among those that we can influence. The Great Commission says, look, we come unto Jesus so that we can go and help other people follow him. The Great Commission is where you and I, that are followers of Christ, go out and tell a lost and hurting world where we work, live, play, shop, whatever life experience might be, and we tell other people about Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his life-changing power. That's what the Great Commission is. It wasn't given to an institution. It was given to people. It was given to Christ followers, you and me. If you're a Christ follower today, he's telling us, go. He's telling us there's a message that you need to deliver. 
What is that message? When we begin to look at this passage of scripture, he said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go with a purpose. The purpose was to bring back that cult because he had a job to do. He had a mission to fulfill. But here's what he said. He said, if, if anybody asks, here's what I want you to, to tell them. The Lord has need of you. Wouldn't it be absolutely incredible if we as Christ followers just began to understand that, that people that are around us, the Lord has need of them. And we would begin to live our life in such a way that we would understand that the Lord has need of the people around us so that we would share the message to them and let them know that the Lord has need of them. If we would realize that the Lord has need of our resources, the things that we have, the things that we hold, the things that are a part of our life, so, so that the Lord could begin to use them. You see, in, in this day and age, there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of use for a colt, a donkey that, that one had never ridden. Yet, yet here's what's going to happen. Jesus is, is going to go, and he's going to deliver a message himself as he's riding in to Jerusalem on that borrowed colt, that borrowed donkey that's never been ridden. He's, he's going to say, look, I, I can take something that's untrained, and when it's under my authority and my control, I can do something amazing with it. You see, we, we look at lives, something or someone that, that has never been utilized before, and we say, what, what could someone do with that? When it's put under the master's control, it can do exactly what the master needs done. That, that's what Jesus was teaching. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, go and, 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 and get me that cold and, and bring it to me because I have need of it. He's going to give us a message as he's riding into Jerusalem that's pretty powerful. It says, then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When you look at Jesus and all that he's doing as he rides in to Jerusalem on that day. A lot of people didn't understand it. They didn't get it. Even his closest followers always wanted Jesus to kind of overthrow things and to say, look, we, we want you to set up some things right now to make our life easier and better. We want you to take over the, the high tax rates. We want you to get rid of the, the corrupt government. We, we want you to, to make life a little better for us right now. Jesus came riding in to Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey because after the lineage of David and in David's day, when a king rode in to a city on a donkey, it was a sign of peace. It was, it was a sign of humility. They weren't there to, to declare war. They were there to deliver a message. And when you look at Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and he brings that message of peace and he brings that message of hope. Here's one of the things that we discover. That he brings that message of peace and he brings that message of hope. But he allows his people to be a part of it. 
He allowed his followers to cheer him on. He allowed them to pave the way. He allowed them to serve him in the process. And today, Jesus has a message that needs to get to a world that is hurting, to a world that seems hopeless and helpless, to, to a world that, that is looking for an answer and they're willing to, to crown about anything or anyone as their king or their leader so that they can find hope. Look around. It happens all the time. And Jesus rides in on a borrowed donkey. And he says, look, I'm coming. And I'm here to bring a message of peace. Not, 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 not peace to society, but peace to your soul. Not, not peace that just helps you get along better, but peace that, that comforts you when the storms of life are, are beating up on you in a way that you could never imagine. He's coming to give peace between you and, and God. He's coming to give peace for your sin and to become your Savior. We look at who Jesus is and all that he offers in that passage of Scripture, and we discover that Jesus invited his disciples to send them on a mission and a purpose. And he begins to reveal what that is during this week. Begins to show them, look, here, here's, here's what I am about. I'm doing something that is bigger than the moment. And, and here's what, what the scripture says. It says that he, he's come to, to bring a message of humility and, and peace. But then you notice it says he went to a place in verse number 11 it says and Jesus went into the into Jerusalem and into the temple so when he had looked around at all things as the hour was already late he went out to Bethany with the 12 you notice the bible says that he went to the temple and he looked around that doesn't seem like it's that significant but let's move down through some more of the scripture. In verse number 12, here's what it says. Verse number 12, it says this, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, it says he was hungry, and seeing from, a, uh, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. In, in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. You see, Jesus said, invited them to, to send, but, but all the while he goes into the temple, it's late. Then he, he leaves the temple and the, and, and the next day he comes and, and he sees this, this picture of a fig tree with, with leaves on it. And here's what happens. Jesus goes to the fig tree and, and he thinks, man, I'll get a fig. And when he gets there, there is nothing. And he looks at it and he says, wow, you'll never produce another fig again. Did you know what this passage of scripture tells us? It tells us a lot of things but it's something that we need to look at in a very practical way and understand this, that we're invited to produce 
I want you to understand that, that when we look at this passage of Scripture, some, some translations, some scholars go, go back and forth, and they're going to say, look, there, there's leaves on, on the tree, but it wasn't time for them to produce figs. I want to tell you something. If it wasn't time for them to produce figs, Jesus wouldn't have went over and looked for a fig and then been upset because there wasn't a fig. When there's leaves on a fig tree, the fig tree is supposed to have figs. So Jesus goes in the temple, he looks around, the next day he comes and he sees a fig tree and he says, wow, you know what, there's a fig tree with with leaves, but when he gets to it, he says, you are a fig tree by name only. Because you're not producing anything. Well, what does that, that tell us? It tells us in the day of Jesus, it, and as in our day, that there's a, a lot of people who are invited, and, and a lot of people accept the invitation, and they say, look, I really would like to follow you, Jesus, but, but here's what happens. Somewhere along the line, we really don't produce anything. We, we, don't, we don't produce fruit. Here, here's, here's what we find from that tree, that it had leaves, but it had no fruit. It looked the picture, but it didn't produce the fruit. And and the bottom line is this. If we're believers, we're supposed to produce fruit. But when you look at at our life, we have to ask ourselves this. As a believer, am I producing some of the, the fruit of the Spirit? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there gentleness? Is there kindness? Is there meekness? Is there long-suffering, which is just patience, willing to forbear? When, when we look at this passage of Scripture, keep this in mind. He's riding into Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the place of, of, of where people are supposed to be centered on God and worship God, and, and, and people will acknowledge God, but they deny the power of who He really is. And how many times in, in our life Do we acknowledge him, but we deny his power because we don't let any fruit show up in our life? But let me just ask you something today, and this is just a a personal question. It's not a a critical question, but as we we look, Jesus invites his followers to to follow him, but but we, we find out that he invites them to send them. But as we look through scripture, clearly as Christians, we're invited to produce And when we identify with Christ, he expects us to produce fruit. There's not a lot of mystery centered around this passage of Scripture. Jesus tells us, in reality, if we're a Christian and we're claiming to be a Christian, then there needs to be some fruit that is produced. And, and, and here's the, the reality. When, when we're a, a Christ follower and there's not fruit that's produced in our life, we need to, to check and make certain that we are a Christ follower, right? We need to make sure that we really know him. And then we need to find out what, what's taking place that's holding up the fruit production. What, what's in the way that's keeping us from doing that. And, and Paul tells us in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, many times we don't have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness in, in our life because we're not letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in our life. 
We live at a, we live at a pace where, where we're hurried and worried about anything and everything, and, and we don't take the time. We don't take the time to allow that fruit to live and dwell and thrive and grow in our life. But Jesus does something after that that's extremely important, and we move quickly through it. In verse number 15, it says, So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. When Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. You notice that, that Jesus didn't avoid the crowds most of the time up through this point in time, but now he's gone out of the city multiple times. He's gone to, to be away, and he's showing back up, and he comes into the temple. And, and here's one of the things that, that we understand from verse 15 through 18 is, is this. When Jesus invites us to follow him, he invites us to his identity. We're invited to his identity. What does he say? He says, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer for all nations. What did he discover when he went into the temple? He walks in and, and he finds people that are selling sacrifices because people are there to offer a sacrifice. He comes in and he finds people selling a sacrifice at a price that someone else can't afford. So he comes into his house and here's what's happening. People are doing anything and everything but helping people worship God. It's become about everything but Jesus. And isn't it amazing that Jesus says, look, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It was identified by everything but him. And he says, you've made it a den of thieves. A den of thieves. All the things that are stealing the worship from Jesus. Jesus said, look, I'm supposed to be the audience here because that's what a house of prayer is. It was conversation. It was worship. It was meeting with Jesus. He said, but you guys have turned it into everything else. Think about how close that can hit to any setting and situation today that falls under the name of Jesus. We turn it into lots of things other than Jesus. Do you know in the history of our country and in the history of the world, there are more megachurches than ever before? And this is not a, a knock on megachurches. It's not a knock on, on large churches. There are some phenomenal churches of all sizes. But do you realize that we have more churches in, in, in the world than ever before, yet culturally we are in, in, in a, a greater decay and downcline than what we have ever seen? And we have to ask ourselves this, are our churches really a gathering place that's centered on him where he is the audience. And, and do you know what that requires? That requires people like you and me saying, you know what? Lord, help me to realize that 
that today is not about me, it's about you. And help, help me to put the focus back on you and, and help you to be the audience. Did you know what that means? That, that means when, when I'm talking that, that reality, you're not the audience that God is. And I should be more concerned about whether it's pleasing to him rather than pleasing to you. And, and sometimes that, that's a really difficult thing because I promise you this, in college when you're taking speech and, and, and going through the communications process, which I majored in, and, and when you go to Toastmasters that, that helps you uh, brush up on your skills occasionally as, as you do some of that, they don't tell you to speak to the person that you can't see in the room. They, they, they say, look, know your audience and know your audience well because you're addressing their need. And here's the reality. We've got to address the needs of people, but we have to come to a place in time where we are focused again on him. And may that happen in our life. May that continue to happen and take place here because the greatest need that the world has is who he is and what he has to offer, not what we can do, not what we have to offer. Can he use us? Absolutely. But may we always keep it about him because that is what he said. He said, look, my temple, it's supposed to be a place to worship me and I can't even get in. I stand up and say something and you're all ticked off and I'm just telling you what the word says. So honestly, let's back it out of a, a corporate setting and let's bring it up to, to current times. The Bible says this, if you're a Christ follower, then you're the temple of God. And let me ask you something. Is your life, is your temple identified by him? Is he the center of your life? Because that's what it comes down to. It comes down to we're invited to be his temple. We're invited to have his identity. And so many times we, we spend all of our time and efforts trying to, to have the identity of someone else or something else or an identity that, that looks cool and other people will want. But the reality is this. He is our identity. So he moves from invited to identity to this. In verse number 20, it says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Isn't it amazing? They're always surprised at the things that Jesus has done. I mean, he, he feeds 5,000 with, with nothing, and, and, and they're blown away by it. And they, they're always surprised when the next thing comes. And, and we can kind of look at it and say, how, how do they do it? But, but we're just that way. We have a crisis in life, and we say, man, I'm, I'm not certain what we're going to do. And, and then we're surprised when, when God works things out. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whatever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive 
your trespasses. Well, Jesus invited us to follow him, but we're invited as we follow him. We're invited to faith. We're invited to prayer. We're invited to forgiveness. Think about this. Jesus invited you to faith. He invited you to prayer. He invited you to forgiveness. Do you know what Jesus tells his disciples? He says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Do you know what he says? He says, faith moves mountains, but doubt magnifies them. Did you know why Peter looked and he said, wow, I, I can't believe that the fig tree is gone. And he's mauling it over and trying to get it all wrapped in his mind. Did you know why? Because sometimes there's just this little doubt in our heart and we wonder if God can really do what he says he will do. It's often true in my life. It's true in all of our lives if, if we're really honest. Doubt magnifies the mountain. Faith moves it. Jesus invites us to, to, to live a, a life of, of faith, but then he, he invites us to live a, a life of prayer. You see, faith in God moves mountains. He says faith in God calls us to prayer. He says when you pray. Do you know what Jesus does when, when he says, I want you to come and follow me? He's, he's inviting us to live a life of prayer. He says, my house should be called a house of prayer. That's what he told us about the temple, which means that that's what he wants for you. If you're a Christ follower today, he wants your life to stay connected to him in and through prayer. Continual conversation with the Father. You have direct access to him. And he says, look, when you pray, not if, but when. Prayer is one of the, the, the most neglected resources in the Christian life. It's our most powerful connection, and it's the one that we, we tend to use the least. But you know, he, he says this. He says, faith in God not only moves mountains or calls us to prayer, but he says, faith in God calls us to forgive. He says, when you, when you pray, he says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. He says, you know what, when, when we hang on to things in this life and we just don't want to forgive, do you know who it hurts? He says, it hurts you. He says, failure to forgive keeps us from other blessings that that God has. And, and, and how many times do we hold on to things that we just need to let go? He says, faith not only calls on me, but, but faith, it operates with a forgiveness principle. Well, as things unfold and go a little further, in verse number 27, it says this, then they came again to Jerusalem and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question, then answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, 
Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, then they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Do you know when Jesus invited his followers to follow him, he said, I will make you fishers of men. He was telling them early on that I'm inviting you to send you. But he, he also tells us that I'm not just inviting you to send you. I'm, I'm inviting you to produce. I'm inviting you to do something with it, to, to produce something in this life. He said, I'm in, inviting you in, into my identity. He said, I'm inviting you to a life of faith and prayer and forgiveness. But, but he also said, I'm inviting you to trust his power. Do you know what verse 27 through 33 tell us? that they were invited to trust his power. They came and they said, by what authority, by what power are you doing these things? And Jesus responds with a question himself. And here's, here's the tragedy. They feared men's power or authority more than God. So they didn't respond. That they knew that something was different about John, and they knew something was different about Jesus, yet they failed to respond because they feared the authority of man and those around them more than the authority of God. Do you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying, scribes and Pharisees, you guys claim to know me, but you won't recognize my power over your life. You claim to, to know the Father, yet you won't recognize his authority that he wants to have in your daily life. Jesus was saying, you're invited to trust me. You're invited to trust my authority. You're invited to just come and put your life under me. And do you know what will happen? Your life will be far greater than what you could ever imagine. You see, when we look at the first few moments of the week that marks the final week of the life of Jesus, we find that Jesus invited them to send. Jesus was inviting people to produce and letting everyone around that could see it to see that and grasp that. He's inviting people to live a life of prayer, a life of faith, a life of forgiveness. He's inviting us today to put our life under his authority. The question is this, do we want God's authority in our life more than we want what other people think, what other people might say, what other people might do. You see, as we look at the remarkable story of Jesus and we see how it unfolds, Jesus was inviting his disciples not just to follow him, but to come into his life. And the question today is this, have you accepted his invitation to follow him? And are you allowing him to send you? Are you producing something for him? Are you taking on his identity? Are you living a life that produces and a life that's driven by faith and prayer and forgiveness? And are you living under his direction and his authority? Would you pray with me?
Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are and we thank you that you came into this world to die for our sin, to be buried, to rise again on the third day. And, and Lord, we believe that you did that. So Father, I ask today that if there's one here, there's one engaged online, Father, if they don't know you and who you are, Lord, I ask that today would be the day that they would respond to you. Father, many today do know you. And Lord, I pray that you would help this be a moment where we would take a time for some self-reflection and, and make certain that our life is producing, to look at our life of faith and prayer and forgiveness. And Father, to, to look and honestly ask ourselves, are we putting our life under your authority? Are we looking around to see what everybody else is doing. Help us, we pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today, you're listening online, and you would say, look, I'm not 100% certain that I know Christ as my Savior. I believe the best to know how that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And I believe that, that I'm a sinner, but I'm not certain that I've ever been saved, that I've ever experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, if that's you today, here's what I would encourage you to do right here, right now. Just acknowledge through a simple prayer, a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that you died, that you were buried and that you rose again. Lord, I, I want to know you as my Savior. So Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. If you'll do that, he'll do what he says. Because he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, if you don't know him, but you would like to, right where you are, just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe that you are who you say you are. So please be my savior. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you would say, John, I know Christ is my savior, but there's some other things that we talked about today or maybe some things that we didn't talk about today that I need some prayer with and for. If that's you, just slip your hand up today. I want to be able to pray with you, for you. As we take a moment and we close in prayer. I just want to encourage you to talk to the Lord as I pray about some of the things that you might need to talk to him about today. Ask him for his help, his guidance, his work, and your life. Father, please hear our prayers today. Lord, I ask, Father, that you would work in a way that only you can. God, that you would give us guidance and direction. Father, that you would help us to live our life for you. And Father, that our life would be honoring to you, that it would be identified to you and by you and about you. God, I pray that you would help us to go and share with our neighbors and our friends, our family, that we are sent by you and that we would carry that message that you've given us. Lord, 
I ask you to be with us today and meet the deepest need in each and every life. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. I want to thank, thank you for being a part of today. Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.